welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man Staten. This podcast is dedicated to blue-collar, hard-working public land elk hunters. We preach hard work, delayed gratification, discipline, and staying accountable to yourself. We value faith, family, fitness, fiscal discipline, and of course, public land elk hunting. So come along as we try to educate, motivate, and inspire you to become the best possible version of yourself. Our podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete, performance you deserve, fuel your body with the best, use our discount code ELKSHAPE30 and save 30% off your first purchase. We are also brought to you by NUMA Outdoors, geared for the outdoors, made with bow hunters in mind, built to over deliver, and most importantly, designed to outperform. Check out numaoutdoors.com and be sure to use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your purchase. Matthews Archery, elevating the archery experience. Take a test drive with the Matthews V331 or 27 at a local dealer near you. Vortex Optics. I've been partnered with Vortex since 2010. This company is awesome. They're American owned, veteran owned. They're based in Wisconsin. Their entire team of designers and engineers produce and distribute a complete line of premium sport optics, accessories, and apparel. Most of the apparel that I wear while training, scouting, and hanging out around the house is Vortex Wear. Go ahead and check it out, and if you want to save 20%, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE at checkout, and you'll save 20%. New from Vortex in 2021 is their tripods. The one I've been using in the backcountry is their Summit Carbon Tube and they're radiant carbon, and it also has a ball leveling head, and it's perfect for rock solid shooting. There is a tripod to fit everyone's needs from Vortex now, and it's still covered with their lifetime no fault transferable VIP warranty. Check it out at vortexoptics.com. And we are recording. Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. What's up? Today I am going to sit down and go through a stack of emails that I've gotten from folks that have either listened to the podcast, come to an Elk Shape Camp, or have become a member of the elkcollective.com. Most of these are listeners, um, from what I can tell. And uh, a lot of you sent these in, and so at the very least, I'm gonna send you something in the mail. So if you included your address, right on, be on the lookout. But I, I just wanted to do a cool podcast hearing from other blue collar public land elk hunters who, um, either had success for failure and learn from their failures and maybe you can learn from their failures or successes what kind of nuggets that stood out for them and so let's get into it here we go i got a bunch of these i don't know how long this is going to take but i just put my phone on vibrate uh so here we go this first message is an email from justin whitbeck he said at the end of your elk season recap part one you asked for followers to share nuggets that we got from following Elk Shape and listening to your podcast. There were two things I found myself telling myself over and over from day one. First was no regrets. I haven't shot an elk in three years, and this year I wanted to make sure that I gave it 100%. No sleeping in, no lazy days at camps, etc. The second was separation is in the preparation. I started working out in January. I went from 205 pounds down to 190 but I also focused a lot on leg workouts for the two months leading up to the season. You may have been looking more for elk tactic nuggets as you share a ton of good information, but when it came down to it, these two things gave me the confidence and the mental and physical strength to push harder and go farther. I got to pause. 
Love it, man. No, this is real. Like the mindset of an elk hunter is the most important part. And how you get that mindset is really up to you. Obviously, I get my mindset just by staying disciplined and focused and doing things I don't want to do. I think I think we're on to something here. This is getting good. All right, continuing on. Between the four elk I packed, six packs averaging 80 pounds for roughly 16 miles, not including all the hunting miles, I know that without preparation, I physically could not have packed out that many packs of meat. I definitely pushed everyone in the group harder than they liked, but they were all happy in the end. Thank you for the Elk Shape Podcast. I listen almost every day on my way to work. It truly was a large factor in the success of our 21 season. Keep it up. Here's a shot or two of each bull. So his brother-in-law got a bull. He got a solo elk, probably his first, his dad's first bucket list bull, and his cousin's bull. Uh, and it's just a bunch of awesome photos. That's awesome. Justin, email me your address, your shipping address, elkshape at gmail.com. We'll send something your way. Just put in the title, send me my swag. Uh, next up, Brian Collier. Now, the title of his message is Empty Coolers, but uh, let's see what he's got to say. Dan the Fitness Man and Tim. So he's a YouTube subscriber. By the way, if you listen to our podcast and you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, do me solid. We usually put up a video on every Monday and Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I encourage anyone to start their own YouTube channel. It's free to do. And it is not easy to create legit content for that platform twice a week. We've been doing it for almost two years straight. We're just about 40,000 subs. I want to be at 100,000 subs just because I think our efforts there. But anyways, I digress. My name is Brian. First off, I would like to thank you for all your content. I have been subscribed to your YouTube and podcast for two years. The information and knowledge you share is invaluable to all of us who do not live out west and have to do a lot of online research. I just finished your two-part podcast about the September 21 update. It is truly upsetting to hear what you were faced with in New Mexico. I've decided to shoot you guys an email about my first elk hunt as well as my first western hunt. I am 38, married, father of two. I came into hunting late, and I have only been hunting for three years. I enjoy turkey hunting. A co-worker and a friend of mine has been elk hunting in Colorado for over 15 years. We decided to plan a trip with eight guys to hunt this year in the same unit. He has been hunting. Uh, I'm not going to say the unit number, uh, but he does write that down. Um, prior to this year has always been over the counter. Now it is a draw unit. Unbelievably, seven of us drew our tags for this unit. First sign that something was off. Five bulls and two cow tags. I have never archery hunted before, so this was going to be an all-new adventure. I bought a bow, a Matthews VXR28. By the way, that's a really good bow. I still have my VXR28. Won't sell it. Love it to death. And started practicing in July of 2020. I found your channel on YouTube. Started preparing mentally and physically. I shot every day to include while I was at work. I am a firefighter. I work 48-hour shifts. From never having shot a bow to being comfortable at 70 yards and over just over a year, I was confident that given the chance, I would be successful in taking my first elk. Finally, the day came, and we made the trek from Tennessee to Colorado. After arriving on the 17th of September, we spent the next 11 days covering over 700 miles on foot between the eight of us. I alone covered ground from base camp at about 8,000 feet to over 12,500 feet, making it above tree line twice. In those 11 days, we found two wallows, six beds, no elk. We never heard a bugle. Never saw an elk. 
never came across a fresh carcass where someone else had been successful and never saw any sign that was less than a few weeks old. We did see seven different outfitters on horseback, four-wheelers, dirt bikes, mountain bikes, side-by-sides. Due to this, we moved further and further from roads into the nastiest, darkest terrain we could find without any luck. My friend and co-worker has taken an elk every year from this unit. He was flabbergasted at the lack of elk sign, sign of carcasses, or anything. While it would have been easy to become frustrated and discouraged, I did not. I hunted long and hard. Down to the morning, we packed up and left. Even as we were driving off the mountain, I was slightly disappointed to be driving home without being successful. I was more than satisfied with my performance in preparation for the hunt. Long story short, without your videos and knowledge, I would have been way less prepared and would have been clueless in those mountains looking for elk. I now have some sort of my own knowledge to move forward next year. I look forward to another year of your videos and information. Signing off with empty coolers, but full of drive to continue my quest to bring home an elk to my family. Brian R. Collier. Well, Brian, thanks for sending. Obviously, same deal. Get me your address. Uh, hunting with eight other people and sharing a camp, that that's tricky, man. I don't know if I would be into that. One thing I would say is, like, your attitude is spot on. Like, you know that you gave it everything you got and you squandered zero time like I used to tell my athletes that I would coach it's like the outcome is out of your control but your energy your effort your attitude is in your control the chips fall where they fall and elk move a lot some elk have 20 30 40 50 60 mile areas that they'll cover what they live they're nomadic and they can be there, and you can your trail cameras can tell you a bunch of cool stuff. And then when you show up, they're not there. That happens. That happened to me this year in a hunt that I haven't talked about yet. But I went into deep backcountry of my own state, Washington State. I wanted to kill a Washington bull this year. And I went in deep, and I found awesome elk sign and rubs and wallows and scat. But everything was 10 days old. The elk had probably already rutted and were gone by the time I got there or they moved out. They weren't there. I spent four days and then I left. I came home. I was kind of out of hunting time with my wife, to be honest, but I had another backup unit I wanted to go to. And if I had, if I felt like, I, you know, it wouldn't have been a hardship on my family, I would have gone to my other unit. I, I, you know, so you have to have backup plans. Obviously, in your situation, you probably only could hunt this one unit. Um, I'm sure you'll think about what you could have done different. And you could go back to the exact same spot next year at the exact same time, and it could be a rut fest. You just never know. It's why you have to do the e-scouting, Mark Livesey's program, uh, Treeline Pursuit, and, and, and have all the backup plans in all the different hunt areas. Um, thank you so much for your support, man. It means the world to me. I know your story's not finished. All right. This one is from Zach. I think his last name's Jansen. And uh, Zach says, Dan, you're the man. Your podcast videos are a steady supply of inspiration and hunting knowledge. Took my first stab at archery elk this year in Colorado over the counter. Had two interactions within 40 yards but couldn't get the shot off. The bulls were vocal and ready to party, but not until we got about eight miles in. We hunted extremely hard for eight days. We were ready for a break by day four but pushed on and kept thinking, what would Dan the fitness man say? And that was to keep hunting hard. Elk season is finite. 
All the strategies, all the techniques you speak about in the podcast were constantly on our minds and were common topics of convo around the old fire pit. I am confident that next year will be my year for Archery Elk. Only 330 days left until elk season. What did you do in the name of better elk hunting today? Separations in the preparation. Thanks, Dan. Keep rocking. Zach Jansen. Uh, Zach, you left me your address. I'm going to grab a highlighter. I will send you some stuff. And I can tell you this right now, man. Like, I love your attitude. I love that you understand it's a journey. It's a process. And that success is all about delayed gratification. You know, most people don't kill an elk their first time out. Straight up. And if they do, it's really hard for them to duplicate that year after year. Uh, even for myself, this year was hard for me. Like probably one of the hardest elk years I've had. I couldn't get a tag anywhere I wanted. And I kind of had to turn lemon into lemonade, so to speak. I had a rough hunt in Idaho. I was able to kill on one of my last days. Actually, one of the days I wasn't even supposed to be hunting. I was supposed to be driving New Mexico. Ended up going out with just really aggressive and, and stalking a bull in his bed. Not a big bull. Do not care. Sure, I'd love to shoot a big bull, but it's more important to me that I kill a bull and have the entire elk in the freezer for the year. That's like that's my most important part. Got that done. New Mexico was terrible, and I did wound an elk. I feel terrible. Um, and then I went to a Washington backcountry hunt and never saw an elk, heard an elk, never bumped an elk, covered so much country. Elk just, they, they had been there, and they weren't there. So, you know, I feel what you're saying. I think your attitude is awesome and you're right. After four days and you thought about taking a break, you got the rest of the year to take that break. The day you decide to take a break or take it easy could have been the day that you had those 10 seconds where impossible turns into possible. So you just have to play the odds and stay in the game mentally and physically and it will pay off for you. So keep up the great work. I have no doubts that you'll have some success right around the corner. Micah Rinky writes, hey, Dan, just want to reach out, give some positive support and feedback on your recent content. Just finished up listening to the two latest podcasts from September 21 recap parts one and two. I am currently on day six of a 10 day public land backpack truck camp solo mule deer hunt in South Dakota and turned on part one of your recap on a six mile hike back to the truck this morning. Hearing your successes and failures really pumped me up and gave me the drive to finish out the last four days of my hunt strong and work as hard as I can for the buck I've been dreaming of all year. It's pretty wild to hear what happened to you guys in New Mexico, but I'm glad someone like you with a platform and a tough attitude is helping to combat this issue that seems to be happening all over the West. I've heard of similar things in Colorado where outfitters will ride horses through miles of national forest to spook elk onto private ranches for high-dollar hunts. This is what hunting is about. It's not what true passionate hunters would condone. Not only does it turn hunting into more of a rich man's game, it ruins the name of hunting for the world and depletes the natural resource of wildlife. Thanks again for the motivation and helping me keep focused and stay on the grind. Keep up the great work. Micah. Hey, Micah, send me your address. Um, I'll send you a little something. South Dakota, that's a cool place to hunt for deer. There's a lot of private public there too. There's definitely some places you can get away from crowds, but you're going to earn it. And you know what? Can you hunt day f 7, 8, 9, 10 as hard as you hunted day 1? Most people know. But if you put the work in year round and you have the mindset and you have that mental preparedness, you'll be able to do it. And I'm glad that you were. 
and I hope my voice was in the back of your head. I hope it's in everyone's because what I say is true. Elk hunting, all hunting's finite, and there's a lot of things sacrificed to get you there, whether you're married, whether you have kids, whether you have, you know, you're self-employed or you're an employee. I mean, guys, when we go hunting, it's not just us that are sacrificing. It's our whole support system. So make sure you have things dialed. Good job. This is a 2021 elk season recap from Shane Beasley. Shane is a guy that um, is better archery shot than me. Man, I've seen this guy shoot in real life. Uh, he's been to two elk-shaped camps. Yes, two. And he's signed up for a third one. And uh, he's killed elk. And he's done it all public land. Uh, his brother is Cole Beasley, who is a badass rapper, but actually is better known for his, uh, I think he's a slot receiver for the Buffalo Bills. And um, Shane is one of my favorite people, and I wish I got to hang out with him more. He writes, Dan, what's up, bro? Just want to give you a recap of our elk season. We had a rough season this year in terms of bringing home the bacon, so to speak. We got into more elk than ever, but failed to bring home elk this year other than my dad. We took a total of seven shots on elk as a group, which is the most opportunities we have ever had. Out of the seven shots, we had four misses, two hits, and his dad's kill. And I'm going to pause for a second. So, hey, if you elk hunt long enough, if you bow hunt long enough, you're going to shoot an elk and not find it. The end. No one wants to talk about it. No one wants to, I mean, and I understand why no one wants to. I don't, I don't even like talking about the bull in New Mexico because I know I got one lung, and I know that there's a chance he might not make it, and I feel terrible about that. We don't live in a perfect world, and if you didn't know, bow hunting's not perfect, but it is perfect when it all happens and you zip through right where you're supposed to hit, and they die within seconds. You know, I'll never come down on somebody. I will always preach proper shot angles, proper shot selection, um, and you can just know that I, I believe all of us try to put our best foot forward. Brooke never got a shot off on her own, but she got to see a bunch of elk and she had plenty of opportunities missed that should have ended with her taking a shot. One of these happened on day one. We arrived and set up camp on Friday, September 3rd at 9 a.m., took a little rest, and then Brooke and my buddy Tristan and I decided to head out to check an area we haven't ever hunted that evening around 4 p.m. We worked our way up a finger ridge that runs about a mile and a quarter up to a main ridge line. We took our time heading up, cow calling periodically on the way with no responses from any elk. Once we hit a little over a mile, we decided to cross a small drainage and work up the next finger ridge. We hit a lot of fresh sign, crossing over to the next ridge. Bingo. We know elk are there. We work our way over the top of the finger ridge, and at this point, it's about 630. I hit a few cow calls, and we get a bugle about 300 yards away and down towards the next drainage between the ridge we are on and the next finger ridge over. We start working our way down the ridge towards the bugle. We move about 200 yards and hit another cow call. We get another bugle, and we are much closer. It sounded like he w hadn't moved much, if any. We check the wind. We have to move further down to try to get on his level, and he is kind of at a 45 down the ridge from us, and at this point, the thermals are going down. As we're heading down, we run into a nice wallow that has been used very recently, and we decide to set up right beside the wallow. It's thick, but a great place to set up with about a 30 yards of visibility and maybe 20, 25 yards that they could make a shot to. Now, here's where we screw this up. Tristan has a bull tag. Brooke has a cow slash spike tag. 
They both have their bows with them and Tristan has his camera. When we set up, I leave them near the wallow. I move off about 30 yards in the opposite direction of the elk to call. Unbeknownst to me, Tristan, thinking we are about to call a bull and understandably, I guess, hands Brooke the camera and tells her to set her bow down so she can video him shooting this bull that's about to come in. I cow call maybe two or three times and I can see an elk coming in right to them. So I just shut up at that point and just let this thing happen. This is all happening within five minutes of us setting up on the wallow. The elk that is coming in pops out of the thick brush at about 12 yards and Trist from Tristan and Brooke and it's a cow. Brooke whispers to Tristan, oh no, it's a cow. Tristan tells Brooke, it's okay, the bull is coming behind her. As there was another elk following the cow. The cow moves a few more yards out in the open and the second elk pops out of the brush and Brooke whispers, oh Tristan, it's a spike. The spike and cow are 12 yards from them and Brooke has the camera in her hand and the bow on the ground for five minutes. The spike is just standing there and the cow is nibbling on some leaves from a tree and neither of them have a clue that we are there. To finish the story, Brooke can't even get her bow as they are close, too close, and will see her. Tristan isn't going to shoot a cow or spike on day one. And to top it all off, Brooke has never used this camera before and gets none of it on video. I'm back 30 yards thinking, why the hell is Brooke not shooting one of these elk? Because I can see how close the elk are to them, but didn't know at this point Brooke had the camera, not her bow. The elk ended up walking off, and that was that. We could have been a day one kill, ended up being a missed opportunity. Welcome to Elk Hunting Brooklyn. Laugh out loud. What can go wrong, even when everything goes right, will go wrong. Amen to that, Shane. As for the rest of the trip, this email would be way too long for me to tell all the encounters we had and all the opportunities that should have resulted in elk meat coming home with us. It was our best season yet as far as getting into elk. I tried some new tactics and some not-so-new and parentheses, he says, I don't feel like I can say old because I've only been hunting for four years. We bugled, we cow called, still hunted, spot and stalked, all successfully in terms of getting into bow range. One tactic I use most recently with a lot of success in bringing elk in is the tactics I ran into at the Elk Collective from Chris Rowe. The targeted cow calling with what he calls lost mews and assembly mews, they have been extremely effective in the early part of season, especially before the elk adjust to hunting pressure. After about two weeks into the season, you can pretty much throw the cow calls in the garbage in the area we hunt because it seems like the elk start running away from them. All in all, I just want to say thanks, Dan. The things I've learned and the tools I have in the bag from listening to your podcast, watching the YouTube videos, investing in elk-shaped camps, and the elk collective have helped do exactly what you say they will do. They have shortened my elk hunting learning curve considerably, in my opinion, on a 15-day hunt in Idaho over-the-counter. Public land elk, there were only two days that I did not have encounters with elk. And I'll define an encounter as elk within 100 yards. Even though I only had my bow in my hand for four days in my unit, a unit he's never hunted, by the way, due to spending most of my time trying to get Brooke and elk in her unit, I was able to get uh, a shot opportunity. I missed because I dialed my sight wrong, and I feel horrible, but I did hit an elk. And I didn't see how either one of them could have lived through the shots that were put on them. Anyways, sorry for the long read. I hope to see you at 2022 Oak Shape Camp. And I'm not sure if I'm supposed to read the next part. So I'm not going to finish this with saying good luck on your hunts. And I hope you continue to be successful with Oak Shape, the Elk Collective, and all your other endeavors. Shane Beasley. So Shane, great job. I love that you're a chameleon and that you're changing tactics on the daily. I feel like that's imperative. That's why I like the Elk Collective because it does have so many different people like Chris Rowe, uh, Elk Nut, Dirk Durham, Jason Phelps, 
uh, a bunch of other stealthy hunter. All these guys do it different, and they don't do it wrong. They just all do it different. And I have the philosophy of why not know all the tactics, try all the tactics, and figure out what's going to work for you in that scenario on that day. This one's from James. James, I'm going to butcher your last name. Dalaval. Dan, sharing my 21 elk story with you. I started my solo hunt on September 10th. The third day into my hunt, ended up shooting a small 4x4 bull frontal at 15 yards. I don't prefer this shot, but it was the only shot he gave me. Long story short, I thought I heart shot him. I was wrong. While tracking, I bumped him about 400 yards in and let him lay overnight. Next day, I lost his blood and grid search for the next couple days with no luck. Big time bummed. I thought about you and how you always talk about persistence and not giving up. This kept me going, and I moved on to a different location. Long story short, again, I used your night road bugle tactic and had a couple bulls respond. Slept in my truck in that spot and woke up the next morning with two bulls bugling close by. Well done, James. Well done. On the second day of hunting those elk, I was able to locate the benches and feeding areas and got in between them on the third afternoon. Worked perfectly. Killed a nice six-point bull. That night, and the best part, he died 100 yards from the road. Thank you for all that you do, man. I love your podcast and all of your tidbits. Sorry for the long email. Best of luck now and beyond. James, you did it right. You overcome some adversity. That gosh darn frontal shot looks so good until it isn't. I prefer broadside, then quartering away. And then if I had to pick between frontal and quartering two, I would pick frontal. And then the frontal shot would need to be like, man, 20 yards or less. And and ideally, Dirk Durham would back me up on this. Almost every frontal shot taken probably, but not always, but probably could have turned into a broadside shot if you were able to hold your bow at full draw or you were able to cow call and stop the bull because when they come in frontal and stop, they are going to usually like whirl out of there and then you can cow call and stop them and get that quartering away shot. It's just so hard. You need a lot of reps at this happening for you to believe it to be true. But that frontal is something that I don't think anyone in my position should stand on a pedestal and, and, and or soapbox and be like, take that frontal. It's the most deadly shot in the game. Now, yeah, when it when you hit it perfect, the results are like they're going to die within 20 yards most times. But, and I have killed probably, I can't remember how many, it's over six frontal. But I, I know that I've, I'm like six for seven. I know I had one where I hit just too high. And it sucks, man, because the, you'll, you'll find blood. They might die. They might not. And the one that I screwed up on, I know I would have got a broadside shot if I'd just been more patient. So, Lesson learned for all of us, them. And then the night bugling and sleeping in your truck, I, I'm just going to say it. I hate that uh, I share that because it's such a legitimate tactic. Obviously, it worked for you. It doesn't always work. But, man, I usually pull that card. I play that card when the hunting gets tough and I'm having a tough time getting into elk. I'll go stay up and bugle and sleep in the truck or sleep wherever and get on them. And so good job, James. Send me your address. I'll send you something. And by the way, nice bull. It's a really nice six point. So looks like a North Idaho bull. Oh, he even sent me pictures of all the elk meat he's butchering. Looks like he pulled the heart out. He's got backstrap and tenderloin. That's what it's all about. Zach Hickel. Elk hunting has changed my life. Super corny, right? I drew my first elk tag this spring and spent my first September in the woods of Montana recently. The preparation for the hunt motivated me to join my local CrossFit box and lose 40 pounds. 
40 pounds. Let me put 40 pounds on top of your backpack. So all the stuff in your backpack, let me just slap another 40 pounds on there and see how well you hunt, guys. That is a game changer to take 40 pounds off your body. Great job, Zach. I'm healthier, stronger, and fitter in all sense of the word, but there's still much work to do. Your videos made me realize that fitness was paramount before the trip. I was close a couple of times to harvesting an elk this fall, but couldn't quite seal the deal. I'm interested in gaining some knowledge and improving my weak elk hunting game. The Wisconsin camp. What's the deal with lodging food, and is it suitable for a novice? Oh, Zach, 40 pounds. Congrats, man. Yeah, so we have four camps this year. Wisconsin is our first one. February 4th through the 6th at Vortex Optics headquarters just outside of Madison. Somebody is going – somebody already won. I haven't done the announcement. They're going to be able to do a full VIP experience at Wisconsin the day before camp starts, and that's whoever signed up for that camp uh, in the pre-sale, and we'll announce those soon. Lodging, Vortex is getting a block of rooms at the only hotel in the area, which is right across the street, which is very convenient. And so we'll have a discounted rate for all the campers. So you'll have to cover your lodging, but we will get you a discount. Uh, we are going to provide lunch every day at the camp, and we will break bread together. Everything else is on you. Uh, and suitable for a novice, a veteran, and anyone in between. You're going to be exposed. You can't show up to my camp and be great at everything. I will find your weaknesses, and then we will build a template. We will build a blueprint for you to attack your weaknesses. It might be elk calling. It might be elk biology. It might be you have target panic. It might be your fitness. It might be a combination of all the things. Maybe you suck at navigation, map reading, e-scouting, tinkering. Whatever it is, we're going to figure it out and get you a blueprint. So please, yeah, sign up. We have a Wisconsin camps got the most spots sold so far. So hustle up. This is from Dudley Baker. Dan, first off, thank you for the content you provided from the film hunts to the ABT. I bought my first bow this year, a Matthews V331. Your videos on the bow helped me make that choice. I have my first elk hunt set up for Utah 2022. Super pumped. Again, thank you. And the guys that work with you for all your hard work to put into the content out there. Thank you, Dudley Baker. Thanks, Dudley, for the kind words, and congrats on the new Matthews V331. I think that bow is – I have the 31 and the 27. I definitely love the 31. It fits me just mm. – so I think you're in good hands, and uh, let me know how I can help you and get ready for 22 elk hunt. Chris Capper. Hey there, Mr. Dan. My name is Chris. So on a podcast, you talked about calling when solo. You said to move up right after calling. Well, I took your advice when I heard this bull – he kept calling but not moving. I could hear him over the hill. I bugled, then ran up the hill. There he was, 47 yards, raking a tree. I just set up and started heading towards where I was. 20-yard frontal shot was in route to the biggest bull I've gotten with my bow. Thanks for your advice. And he attached a couple pictures, got a selfie with him smiling, and then just a nice picture with him and his bow. Uh, Great-looking bull, huge force. Great job, Chris. And yeah, solo elk, I talked about this quite a bit. It's never going to go out of style. As an elk hunter progresses with their knowledge, you'll start to be able to predict most times where a bugling bull is going to end up if he's coming in and he's responding to your calls, whatever you have going on there. They are visual. They like to see. I don't know why. Even in thick country, they like to go to spots where they can get a quick visual. 
Um, in some instances, they don't rely on visual. They'll rely on smell, and they'll circle to get your wind, depending on hunting pressure. But a lot of times, vision over smell first. And so you have to be able to look at the terrain, the topography, where the elk is, where he might be. And when you're calling solo, you cannot stay where you made your last sound because they could hang up looking at that spot. You have to predict and move forward. You have to be the caller and the shooter. I hope that helps. Uh, and I hope that you continue to have great success. Good job, buddy. Tyler Beasley. Yo, Dan. Your recap on the Elk Shape podcast was killer. Keep pumping them out. I want to thank you for inspiring me to be a better elk hunter, husband, and father. Every day is a grind to be better at all of these. This September elk season taught me many lessons, but the one that brought meat to the freezer was not giving up after a bad shot. I missed a great six-point bull and thought I had missed my only opportunity. It felt like I was getting ready to pack up and head home. I sat down for 20 minutes thinking about how I prepare all year for this. I decided to keep going. An hour later, I spotted a raghorn to stock for redemption. I made a 20-yard frontal and watched him tip over almost immediately. I already missed September. Thanks for continuing to inspire Tyler Beasley. Tyler, congrats on the bull. Never give up. And you're going to miss. And you're going you're gonna to get punched in the mouth. Like It's just like... Maybe I should have an elk-shaped section in my camps where you walk over and we have someone punch you in the mouth and then you have to, like, take it on the chin. I mean, I heard an analogy once that, like, life is like a boxing match and you get punched and it's like you can sit there stunned or you can counterpunch. And I feel like elk hunting is just like that. You're going to get punched and you got to counterpunch. And your counterpunch was, the you know, after 20 minutes of – sitting down and being honest with yourself, you just put too much into this to quit and go home. That would have been the low road. That would have been the easy, seductive choice. But you chose to pick yourself up off the ground and go make it happen. And wouldn't you know, things change to your favor. I love that. I love reading that. Chase Carmana. Good evening, Dan. Just want to check in with you and let you know how much I appreciate all you've done and continue to do for us elk hunters. After a very successful 21 elk season, I can't help but believe my success was driven by you and your selflessness to in spreading your knowledge and laying out tools for us to build our own legacy. Our season started well before September 2nd, uh, over-the-counter Colorado. Obviously, separation is in the preparation. My buddy and myself worked our bodies into the ground day in and day out from the end of the 2020 season to better prep for 21, or at least we thought. That was until Elk Shape Camp 21, where you showed me how much I was lacking. We stepped up our game. We really changed our workouts. I started working out at home so I could really push myself. Thank you for showing me how much more my body can take. When we first got to Colorado, we had an A to Z picked out on X maps and wanted to do some scouting, so we showed up a few days before the opener. Super glad we did. We cut two top areas that we wanted to hunt right off the bat, too crowded and too much access for people. We went back to an area where we had seen elk the year before, not knowing if it would be overcrowded. Well, we got lucky and there were loggers in there. And at first we were concerned, but then soon realized that elk are curious and people hate loggers, not us. We decided to hunt it. We set up a spike camp in there, which wasn't our original intentions. But when we got in there, we found elk about three miles deeper than before putting us eight miles from the truck. 
We scouted one night before the opener and already had glass on several bulls and cows. We weren't certain what the morning would hold, so we hiked up to a known waller to check it out the next morning. Bulls were bugling, but they weren't quite ready to play. We got in tight to a couple bulls, but the wind kept us at bay, and we had to back out. We knew where they would be heading that evening, so we backed out and set up that evening. Then Mother Nature decided to drop a thunderstorm on us. No worries, we have plenty of time. Next morning, I went solo and got on two bulls at first light. Cow called them right in, but I blew it. I let the shakes get to me. I had range when I first set up, but I misjudged my yardage and shot over a small 4x4. Then I called them back in and got another 54-yard shot opportunity. Took my time, knew the shot would be money. Well, I learned real quick that elk are super fast animals. This bull whirled when I shot and hit him, but it caught him low in the elbow and the arrow deflected. I was shocked, bummed out, mad, upset. Emotions were everywhere. I thought, well, I just blew my chance. I, oh, you only get so many in nine days of elk hunting. So I put my feelings down and double-checked my sights. It was all good. We got on several more elk the next few days, but no shot opportunities. Day six, everything changed. I sat up on a hillside watching a small drainage where I knew elk would be funneling through, and once I could get eyes on them, I could make a stock. I was watching a giant on private land when a cow stepped out and headed into the drainage. I waited till she got into the drain before I made my move. I stalked in about 300 yards when I saw a bull charging into the drain after the cow. I thought, well, whichever one gives me the shot opportunity, I'm going to go home with elk meat. I eased in. I had another 200 yards to go in 20 minutes of light. I sprinted to 109 yards out and used a little finger slope to hide. There was two trees in this drain and that I need to get to even to think about having a shot. The cow was gone, but I could see the bull feeding. I waited till he his head was down to eat and I was able to get to the two trees. I tried to cow call. He didn't care. He was 78 yards. And I needed to close the gap. I decided to take my chances and let him put his head down to eat, and I eased out into the open. When he looked up, I would pause. I duck-walked straight to him. I closed the gap to 67. He started getting curious. I could tell he knew something wasn't right. I decided to take the shot. I was comfortable with the distance, praying he wouldn't whirl. I drew while he was looking at me, super slow and steady. That's pro, man. That is, that is pro. I prayed for the shot to break smooth. The shot broke. The bull whirled and bolted. I knew my arrow connected. I heard it. The bull ran about 40 yards and disappeared. Then appeared and bolted up the hillside only to make it 40 yards up before rolling back down. It was so epic. Hell of a first elk kill. I almost threw my bow. I was so excited. I ran back to my Garmin only to find my buddy had connected too. Two bulls in one evening. Oh man, we had our work cut out for us. Shot process, endurance, patience is what I've learned the most throughout my journey. No way in hell I could have packed out those bulls if you didn't show me what it takes physically to hunt elk. Then, truly working on my shot process has been a hard lesson to learn, but it's paid off. I look forward to getting better each day. I truly thank you for being such an amazing inspiration and taking the time from your family to share your experiences with us passionate elk hunters. There's a fire that burns within that I don't think will ever burn out. 117 miles in nine days was hard as hell on the body, but worth every meal I eat of that delicious elk meat. Chase, gosh, give me goosebumps, man. You're right. The level of physicality I wish everyone could come to in camp. I want to flip the script. I want to show you the blueprint to what it really means to put your body in a position to where you are limitless in the mountains. A lot of people aren't limitless. They have limits and they don't and they find out what they are pretty fast, especially after three days of hard elk hunting. 
They start to wear down. Things start to hurt, and motivation is depleting. So you nailed it, man. And then the shot process and elk do whirl and drawing slow when the bull's looking at you. I love it. Great job. Great read. Thanks for the message. Send me your address. All right, this is from Nate. Just listen to your podcast. I want to take some time to say thank you for everything you do with the podcast. I went black powder hunting this year in Colorado with the cow tag, my first solo. And from the two years I've been learning from you, I took so much nuggets of information uh, from you and put it into this fast email. From what I did learn that I put into play was glassing more and man, oh man, did that pay off. My first day out, I glassed three cows. So exciting. Doing so, I tried hiking to where I seen them, which was my first mistake. I should have stayed and watched where they went for longer, and then I could have got on them later that day. I ended up moving too fast and blew out two two other elk in their bedding, which were 10 feet from me. Best rush I've had. I didn't know what to do on my second mistake. Do I track now or try to find the one cow elk I just had right in front of me or push on to the three cow elk I've been moving to? In the end, I lost all of them, but this is... By far the closest I've been, and I give a lot of credit to you. Thanks for your amazing podcast. Okay, that's pretty cool, man. Like, that's a great idea for those who haven't killed an elk, man. Colorado has that crazy ass muzzleloader season in usually second or third week of September that coincides with archery season. I don't know if they'll continue to do it because a dude did get shot um, with a muzzleloader. Uh, he was archery hunting in southern Idaho, and got, a guy thought he was an elk and shot him. I'm sure you saw that article, and I'm not a huge fan of overlapping muzzleloader archery seasons, but my point is if you've never killed an elk, picking up a muzzleloader is such a good idea, especially in states like Colorado. New Mexico's got an awesome five-day muzzy season, usually first part of October. Uh, Washington State's got a muzzleloader season, east or west. That's usually early October, especially in an either-sex tag. Muzzy, those things do exist, or a cow tag, and just get reps. Get reps at glassing, and you'll learn to be more patient and put those elk to bed. See which timber patch they go in. Go set up on the edge of that timber patch for the evening and let them come out to you when they come out to feed the last 20 minutes of daylight. If you bumped an elk, you can't always track them down, man, like depending on how wet is the ground, how dry is the ground, what kind of terrain is it. Um, sometimes you can follow tracks. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. I think you did well. I think you just got to stay a little more patient behind the glass, and I think the muzzleloader is a great option. This one's from Larry Mayberry, and he says, oh, he wrote me a novel. I'm going to read it. He said, here's a rundown of my first solo elk hunt this year in Idaho. It was a blast. I had a built-in excuse for why I wasn't in the best shape I could have been in. Long story short, in February, I could barely walk due to a back injury that started in October. Of the previous year continued to get worse. Everyone has excuses. I just have to be better for next year. Prayer and stretching with some herbal anti-inflammatory stuff got me back to being mobile and led to a successful elk hunt even without killing an elk. All right, Larry, let's let's hear your story. September 5th, day one, first solo day in Idaho. I'm still hunting a small bench just over a mile from the trail. I saw my first elk, a spike. Seemed like he had three-foot tines. My excitement, full swing. I stood dead still, watching feed my direction. I had an internal debate with myself. Was this going to be the elk I take home, or would I let him walk by without taking a shot? I arranged the opening. I expected him to walk through 24 yards, chip shot all day. I made a quick calculation that this being my first solo hunt and the only second ever archery elk hunt that I was, I was going to take this elk. That's a good decision there, Lair. 
I positioned my feet for a proper shot, ensured my arrow was clear. I raised my bow, and then I see movement coming from the same trail. The spike walked down. It's a really nice wide frame 5x5. The plan has now changed, my friends. I'm shooting this bull. Now, back to the spike for a second. He meandered about in a few blowdowns, presumably waiting on his buddy to get there. As the branch bull got closer, the spike backed out to about 35 yards, paced back and forth around some deadfalls. The five points slowly walked towards my opening that I ranged earlier. I'm still prepped and ready for the shot when he decides to change the playing field a little bit. The bull beds down right before the opening behind a fallen tree with one scrubby pine blocking his vitals. Absolutely no shot. You got to be kidding me. The wind is perfect. He's looking at the spike. So I take a knee to wait him out. Then the spike beds down also. Well, now it's a waiting game. A constant breeze is hitting my head slightly right to left and the bull is 24 yards in front of me and slightly to my left. The weight is on. I'm thinking to myself, do I just draw and stand forcing his hand because all I need is maybe two steps and I've got a shot? Then I feel the nightmare that I've heard a hundred times. The wind tickles the back of my neck. Oh no, but nothing. The bull doesn't move. Perfect. I'm going to wait him out. But that thought still runs in my mind. Just draw and stand up. I decide to play it safe and wait for him to stand on his own. Then roughly five minutes later, the wind hits the back of my neck again, and he stands, takes that step into the opening, reverses the course, and leaps back down the same trail he strolled in out of my life. Now, I've read a ton of stuff prior to this hunt, listened to podcast after podcast, how the whitetail hunters don't fully understand how aggressive you can be with elk. I thought I had that down. No way am I making that mistake. My plans went completely out the window as soon as that elk bedded 24 yards away. I went into complete conservation mode. Lesson of the day. As hard as it can be for guys coming out from the east or midwest, we have to leave that mentality at home and go for broke when the situation presents itself. Larry continued to kind of do a full breakdown, but due to time constraints, Larry, I can't read your whole thing. Um, let's talk about that, that elk bedding down in front of you at 24 yards and waiting them out. I mean, um, I can only tell you just from my personal experience just this year alone, um, the day before I killed uh, that little rag bull in his bed and I shot him in his bed the day before, I did what you did. In a way, I watched these uh, bachelor group of bulls go into timber. When they hit, hit the timber, I couldn't see where they bedded exactly. I waited for about 12, 1 o'clock for the wind to be pretty predictable. And I had pretty good wind that day as far as just like a nice, pretty good breeze to cover my sound. I stalked in the timber, like still hunting till I saw them. They didn't see me, took my boots off, put an extra pair of socks on. And fast forward, I'm 44 yards away from a really big, like a 300-inch 5x5, one of the best 5x5s I've ever seen in Idaho. And he's literally shoulder to shoulder with three other bulls bedded down. And I just was like, dude, you're dead. Like, my, my pen's dialed to 44. Uh, the sun's going to hit you eventually, and you're going to change beds. And when you stand up, I'm going to shoot you. And in his bed, I, I didn't, like, I could have probably snuck one in, but I just thought, man, I'll play it safe. The wind seems to be good. And after an, about an hour of sitting there patiently, the wind hit the back of my neck and the bulls bolted. And they, th that was that. Like they jumped out of their beds into a full sprint. The next day, almost the same scenario. I watched two bulls go into a different timber patch, went in, got the wind right, middle of the day, still hunted, spotted, boots off, socks on, stocked to 49 yards. And I said, I'm not waiting. And I was going to either cow call to get him to stand up. I was going to do something to get this bull to stand up 
And what I ended up doing was I saw that I could get an arrow behind his shoulder in his bed, which is hard to do. Shooting a bedded elk is tricky. And so I told myself I would just pull back, check my pin, and if the shot didn't feel good, I would let down. He wouldn't know I was there. Well, the shot broke. It, I 12-ringed him. Uh, if I hadn't had the day before the wind change on me for no good reason, for very little, like it switched for a second and then switched back, I'm with you, man. Like cow call, see if he'll stand up, or come to full draw, then cow call, or come to full draw, take a step. Uh, whatever, but I, I would like to err on the side of being aggressive. I'm with you on that. And that's a really good point. I'm glad you wrote in. Send me your address. Matt Osterberg. Hey, Dan, thanks for another great podcast. I've really come to enjoy your content and videos over the years because you're relatable and share the same values as me. I've passed your name on to some of my friends. We talk about your gear reviews, ABT, and relate some of your stories back to your experiences on public land. I hunt whitetails in Iowa on public land with a bow, and I've adopted some of your strategies to Western elk hunting to my Midwest hunts. One podcast I found really interesting is when you spoke with Treeline Pursuits about zones of pressure. Wowza. Did those principles help me? Another good point is to stay mobile and not be fixated on one single area. It pays off to put in the extra work. I still strive to improve at each season and will reference certain podcasts again to refresh on some ideas. Looking forward to chasing some elk next fall and putting some new strategies to test. Good luck to you this season, and thanks again for the awesome content, Matt. Matt, thanks for writing in. Get me your address, and uh, yeah, man, Iowa Whitetails. That's the, I'm jealous. That's awesome. You know I got love for Whitetails, and um, yeah, man, I hope you get to chase elk next year. Darren Clark. Dan, I just finished September recap part one. I'm very much looking forward to part two. Congrats on the Idaho antelope and bull. I had a less than desirable hunt experience last year in Nevada, and I'm curious to see if your trials in New Mexico were similar. These trials made me better, and I did kill a great bull. I'm using you to keep myself accountable, as we've emailed before, and I'll be checking back in early November. I don't approve of your October elk hunting. Keep it in September and keep preaching September only to your crowd. Ha ha. For me, what I appreciate the most about you and the elk shape is your attitude. You always keep it positive yet real. Always moving forward to our goals and objectives and never quit, never give in. Always learn and get better. Stay humble, tenacious, and always hungry. Maybe nobody wants it more than you, except possibly me. I do have some photos from a recent Frank Church hunt of Buddy's bull and my mule deer, but I'm not including them. I'll share my bull photos from my upcoming Hell's Canyon hunt, Lord willing. I appreciate you, Dan. God bless. Happy hunting, Darren. Darren, your support and your kind words, they mean the world. They're the fuel that I need to keep doing what I'm doing, and God bless you. This one's from Wade Nez19. What up? He says, hey, Dan, I jam your podcast, your YouTube videos, your Facebook posts. I'm a first-gen archery elk hunter, just like thousands of other people in the U.S. I just joined the Elk Collective, and I wish I did that before I went on my September elk hunt on the Navajo at, on the Navajo Nation it was rough. Your videos, your podcasts have pushed me to become the best husband I can be and motivated me to keep shooting my bow. I am planning on going to your elk shape camp in the near future. The golden nugget I have learned from you is to better myself with hunting and in life, doing one thing that sucks every day. I look forward to meeting you. I look forward to continuing to learn from you. Cheers. Hey, man, I appreciate that. I hope you get to a camp and you're right. Do something that sucks every day. Do something that your little voice is like, nah, we don't need to do that. And then uh, do that every day. You'll get reps at being just more disciplined, more resilient, 
And uh, that really will actually show up in the field when you when the chips are down, and they will be down. I say it all the time. They will be down. So uh, appreciate support. Thanks for joining the Elk Collective. There's endless amounts of content there. Watch it. Absorb it. Use it. Hey, Dan. This is Matt G. from Colorado. I met you at a at the Western Hunting Summit this year. We spoke briefly at lunch about night bugling and how effective it was for me in the 2020 season. Just wanted to give you a shout and let you know I finally tagged out this archery season in Colorado on my first public land solo bull. It was so gratifying and, as always, humbling. I couldn't be more jacked. So here's a list of my tactics I stuck by this year. Number one, no calling except for night bugling to locate. I dig it. Glass, glass, glass. Number three, get in their bubble. Thanks again for the great help. Keep up the good work. Your podcast, YouTube channel are one of my favorites. Enjoy the rest of your season. Hope y'all were listening to what he said there. Uh, picture of his bull is a dandy. Uh, he looks like he made a pretty good shot. Looks like you hit the scap, but you probably broke into the lungs. Um, dang. The smile on this guy's face. And he says, if you're serious about Wyoming, I have... At the, I have six points, and I will say it publicly, Matt, I am serious. If you guys got Wyoming points and you want me to go with you on a general hunt, we'll go to my spots. I'll do that. Anything and everything to get a Wyoming tag and to hunt with somebody cool. We may not actually hunt together, but we will share a camp, and I will. we will go over maps. And I'll show you where to go. Watch the emails are going to come flooding in after that. But Cody Peterson. Dan, I just listened to the latest podcast, really enjoyed it. I just wanted to give you an update on my bow hunting journey. This year, I hunted a spike-only unit in Utah over Labor Day weekend. I ended up missing two spikes. I misjudged the yardage on both shots. This was my first time ever shooting an elk. I also shot a coyote on opening day, but never found it. This is my eighth season bow hunting. Since killing my mountain goat last year, I have missed a lot of shots, and my confidence is not very high. In eight years, I have not brought one ounce of meat home. My wife's patience for hunting is growing thin. I am working full-time and going to school three nights a week. It is hard to find time on the weekends to get out. My son is turning six in a few months, and I really want to take him with me, even though my chances of killing something go way down. Bow hunting is really hard. I feel like the donkey chasing the carrot. Success is right there in front of me, but I can't quite grab it. Hopefully, my luck turns takes a turn for the better. I hope I can make it to another elk-shaped camp in the future. I still cherish the moment of firing my very first arrow at the very first camp when I went head-to-head -head with Willie Schmidt. Good luck on the rest of your season. You know, Cody, you've been to you've been to elk-shaped camp. I wanna I wanna just I wanna say a few things from you, and 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 I apologize for anyone listening that's not interested. But I gotta tell Cody, but I really value Cody, just meeting him, and I and I value him as a human being. And I wanna say, man, you were really hard on yourself, and it's good. But you need to like you need to smell some roses. You need to count some successes. Like, it's really important that you do finish school, and that school takes a precedent. Books is bucks. Knowledge is money. You need to get your family taken care of and set up for the future. And so, going to school at night, three days a week, I tip my hat to you. That's a lot of sacrifice. You're probably staying up late, studying, getting up early. And I know you still work out and you're fit. Your marriage is really important to you, your family. And so, bow hunting is hard. If you're worried about get, bringing home meat for your wife, then pick up a rifle. If your wife understands that you have chosen a harder way to, to get elk meat and that you 
are enjoying the process. You're enjoying the journey and you know that gratification is being delayed, but that eventually you're going to grab hold of it. And then shooting in the clutch, man, like don't shoot elk unless you know the range. Like that's the lesson you should have learned this year is like, and I've done it before. I did it this year in New Mexico. I ranged a cow when the bull came into the same spot. I thought she was standing. I should have ranged him one more time, but I was like, no, he's 55 and I shot over. He wasn't 55. He took a different trail. Shoot at animals that you have know the range. And if that means you end up not getting shots off, then so be it. Because eventually you're going to get the exact range, dial to it, and the animal's still going to be there. You're going to get pulled back and execute a shot, and you're going to double lung something, buddy. Don't give up. It is supposed to be hard. The feeling you're going to have when you walk up on your first big game animal kill with a bow besides them. I mean, you killed a mountain goat, man, but to a, a, your first elk with a bow, man, that is going to be, that's going to be a very special day that you'll never forget. Don't be deterred. Just get more determined. God bless you, buddy. Dylan Smith. This is Dylan Smith. I'm from Kansas. I've been following along all that you do for the past few years. Your drive and passion for elk hunting and fitness is right up my alley. I'm in whitetail country and have grown up torn up with them. But elk has slowly taken a front seat for me. We have had some great hunts and we grind it out each time. Wanted to shoot you a quick thank you. Heard the request at the tail end of your season recap part one. Congrats on your bull and way to tough out there. Sounded like you made the best of the pronghorn situation. Keep up the great work. Here's my 21 Wyoming general archery bull. First hunt for me in Wyoming and the action was awesome. The last clip was success day. Meet shuttling distance. Love it. And so he's got some pictures. Uh, he's got a screenshot of um, all his steps that he took the day he packed out meat. He killed a really nice bull. Looks like a big six point in Wyoming. Dylan, congratulations. Hard work pays off. Enjoy it and start the process over. Become paranoid about 2022. And what can you do to get back to that feeling you felt when you walked up on that Wyoming bull? Because it's special. And I know you'll want that feeling again. I know I do too. And we're going to interrupt this podcast for a quick little message from Black Rifle Coffee Company. These guys make amazing coffee here in the U.S. And they're veteran owned and they're proudly American and unapologetic. I appreciate that. If you guys are interested in joining their coffee club or picking up maybe some swag, ready to drinks, or check out that new flying elk roast flavor, use the discount code ELKSHAPE and that'll save you 15%. Also, Kafaru International. This is the backpack of choice for elk hunters. I use the Hoodlum or the 44 Mag. You guys need to check out Kufaru International if you are serious about packing out large loads of perfect protein off the mountain. Head over to kafaru.net to learn more. We're also brought to you by Onyx Hunt the number one hunting GPS app. I've pretty much gone away from using an old school GPS. Obviously I still carry like an inReach, but all my hunting maps are stored and executed with the Onyx. This is the fastest downloading offline maps out there, as well as the most resilient bulletproof. Not gonna crash on you when you need it most. I run tracking most days while elk hunting, and I found Onyx to be the most reliable hunting GPS app out there. Check it out today. And finally, Baku e-bikes. These are e-bikes made for hunters by hunters. 
This is a game changer for elk hunting as well as bear hunting, checking your tree stand trail cams, getting in and out quietly. I rock the mule. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to knock $300 off your purchase. And if you do that, you might as well just go ahead and apply that discount towards a folding cargo trailer so you can put your elk quarters and haul them out back to the truck. JT, I may have missed the window, but I wanted you to know how much your podcast has helped me. I'm from Minnesota, and I'm still yet to get out west for elk. That is the plan for 22. My buddies have been going for a few years with no luck. I plan to utilize the many nuggets I've heard from you over the years. Delayed gratification might be the deepest for me as I am a sole provider for my family, so I have been saving for some time for this elk tag, new gear, and a new bow. I would love to get your camp, but just not financially possible at this time. My five-year-old boy loves watching your YouTube channel. I want to close with two things um, off of your last podcast. Number one, how do you deal with rattlesnake country? This is a fear of mine getting out there. Number two, my draw length is shorter than yours at 24 and a half. That's the shortest draw length I've ever heard. I have been saving up for a Matthews TX5 because of the design for short draw. Can, can you saw, what is he say? Oh, can you say if the new Matthews offering will have an option for, for draw, short draw that I should wait to get that instead? Keep pounding those miles and I'll be watching, listening, and dreaming of Idaho. So JT, I'll tell you what. Number one, and this is my number one, not yours. If you're in uh, Minnesota and you want to come to the Wisconsin Elk Shape Camp, I got a spot for you. I will donate a spot for you. I will not let money get in the way of you coming to an Elk Shape Camp. And that's straight up. So if you listen to this podcast and you hear this little sentence I just said, send me an email, elkshape at gmail. Let me know, hey, Dan, I heard it on the podcast that you have a spot for me. I do. I have one guy. Sign up, and he's not, he's, he can't make it. He's having triplets. I said triplets, unplanned. And he said, I don't need a refund. I want you to find a spot for the right guy. I just did. JT, you're going to Elk Shape Camp in Wisconsin. Get a hold of me. We'll work out the details. Now, you're number one. Rattlesnakes, I hate them. I hate them, but I have to deal with them. My desire to kill an antelope supersedes my fear of being bit by a rattlesnake. Um, I wear snake gators in a couple spots that I hunt antelope in because it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when am I going to run into a snake my biggest fear is when I'm belly crawling after an antelope and I'm face to face to one but that hasn't happened it's always like walking in the evening or in the mornings on a hot trail or somewhere where they can get sun that's where I seem to run into them not all of them rattle uh, but I've all I, I haven't been bit yet but I do wear snake gators when I'm in those high areas, those high snake density areas. And it's usually like, I would say like basin to basin, drainage to drainage. Some of those just hold more snakes than, and you'll figure that out real quick. So one of my best antelope hunting spots, it's just a mecca for rattlesnakes. So I strap on little portable boot gators that I put on and I look like an idiot, but it gives me just a little peace of mind. Number two, I can't talk anything about this new prototype. I'm already getting in trouble with Matthews, so I I can't say nothing. So, um, And I bet they don't get me a new bow for 23. I bet I'm not invited back because I am literally – all my content from Elk Season has the, the bow in it, and I can't post it. And um, they're watching me like a hawk, 
and it's a big deal. There's people obsessed with trying to find out every little detail about the new bow. So um, once it launches, I will talk about it. But, um, you know, the TX-5 is not a bad option, man. And it's probably more affordable because it's not the latest and greatest. So, all right, JT, I hope I hear from you. Nate Showin. Hey, man, I just want to take the time to say thank you for doing what you do and helping to educate others like me who have just a passion for the outdoors. I started out tree stand hunting whitetails and got and just got into western style spot and stock hunting the last couple of years. And boy, is it fun and challenging. I think the thing that you talk about a lot that resonated with me is the most is just to keep grinding. Sometimes hunts are just a bust, but hearing your dedication keeps me pushing hard until the last day. You may think that this is just common sense, but it takes serious mental toughness to not tap out early and to take the easy way out. Anyway, I wish you fun and success the rest of your season, and I hope I make it out to an elk-shaped camp in the coming years. Nate showing. Nate, give me your address. I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. Like, literally, it's so easy to throw in the towel, and we all will be faced with that opportunity to quit early. I hope none of you do. Jacob, already sent you a picture of the bull I took this year. I am a member of the Elk Collective and an avid listener of the podcast. If you look close enough to the picture I sent you, I'm sporting an Elk Collective hat. Yes, you are. I bought a couple of your online PDFs for food and both the 90-day and 21-day elk shape program. Could be elk or could be bear, but I think since the Elk Collective come out, I know that your dedication over the last over the past couple of years has helped me in life to be better me. Not just a better hunter, uh, a better family man, a dad, Christian, everything. You're one of the few real ones out there. Someday I will get into health. I'll get into my health issues that my little girl has to face. But since then, I really started following you, talking to you. My little girl was born. My life has changed so much. I've lost over 60 pounds. Every year I'm better than the year before in the woods. And it all has to do with my dedication. Separation is in the preparation. Keep it real, Jacob Peterson. And I, and I actually haven't met Jacob Peterson. Uh, somehow that sucker got my cell phone number. I don't remember how he got it. So he seriously sends me texts once a quarter, and I love reading him. He's so positive. He's so inspirational. He is so hardworking for his family. Jacob Peterson, you are the real deal. You are because you're out there. You have a real job. Uh, you have told me about your daughter's stuff before. And, uh, man, I love that you got your faith first, your family second. And, uh, man, I, I'm so happy you got your bull this year. I know you busted your butt in Colorado God bless you, and I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Blaine White, just got done listening to your podcast about the elk antelope season. Great stuff as always. I love the fact from your Instagram to YouTube to the podcast, you keep it real. You always tell it like it is and not like a lot of people and just say, oh, I didn't shoot because it wasn't big enough or any other excuses. You talk about your highs and lows. I haven't hunted elk yet, but I plan to in Wyoming 2022. Since discovering your YouTube in 2018, I feel like I've learned so much about hunting in general. The main thing that keeps me going is your positivity. In 2018, we lost our whole town here in North Carolina. I lost a home and a business. My wife and daughter and myself lived in a travel trailer for a few months till we bought a new home in a new town. During those few months, I struggled with anger and depression. I came across your YouTube and your positivity and my attitude towards life really turned around. I can't remember the video, but one of them you said something along the lines of your hunts are what you make out of it and that you can use it in all things in your life. 
and that stuck with me. Sorry for the long ramble, but just want to say thank you. Let you know that you have help. Let you know that you help people in all ways, elk hunting and life in general. Thank you, Blaine White. Blaine, get me your address, your new home. Send you something. I tell you what, man, that's really cool to hear. You know, guys, like I maybe I take it for granted, but I know you're right. There's a lot of fake stuff on the internet, a lot of fake personalities. They're not really putting the their true who they are out there. They're like personas. And that's fine. I don't care what they do. But for me, in elk shape, it's going to be here's the good, the bad, the ugly. I am real. I bleed. I use toilet paper every day too. My shit does stink. You know what I mean? Like I am a real person. I have real struggles. Nothing's perfect in my life. And I don't want to like just have a like an Instagram feed with just perfection. I want to keep it real and I think you guys should too. I think the world needs that in a place where it just seems like we all put up facades. And so thank you. That motivates me even more to keep it even more real and to stay on my path, which is what is resonating with you guys. And um, I just can't thank you enough for the, the positive encouragement. This is from Shannon Lance, Y01 Bowhunter. Hey, Dan, just want to shoot you an email. Tell you how much I appreciate your fresh perspective on over-the-counter public land elk hunting. It's good to hear somebody has a realistic set of eyes on the expectations that should be for us guys that are hitting it hard every September on the public land and not be disappointed in some kind of smaller raghorn bull versus a large six point. Just had a couple of questions for about your midday hunting, especially in country like where I am in Wyoming where we can't really get it to a vantage point and watch elk bed. We have set up blinds in the past as well as this year on wallows, but our success has been very few and far between doing that. And having packed them in several miles, I hate how it feels to like be married to one area. I just always maintain the philosophy that if you're on the mountain, you have a 100% better chance of killing something than if you're at camp. I also wanted to thank you for your advice. Always be tinkering. I had an issue with my Matthews verdicts that turned out to be a string issue, and I was able to order new strings, install, and tune myself, which raised my confidence in my equipment to another level. I feel that. Without the kind of push to go ahead and work on my own equipment, I probably would have never just drove to – I would have – without the kind of push to go ahead and work on my own equipment, I probably would have just drove to the nearest archery shop, which is over two hours away from me, which wastes valuable hunt and prep time. So I appreciate that. Another thing, I did not do all this September and squander a single second. I have zero regrets. I'm sending you this email on September 30th at 830 at night on my way off the mountain in the dark. I didn't want to squander one second this year, and I appreciate the motivation. Anyways, wanted to shoot you an email, tell you thank you. I appreciate uh, all your advice and motivation that I can relate with. Even though I was unsuccessful with my bow this year, I feel good about it. And the beautiful thing about Wyoming is I'm able to seal the deal with a rifle in October. You're welcome at my campfire anytime. Take care. Well then, ABT always be tinkering. Now, obviously, and you're in my position, you got to say this. I support all archery shops, local archery shops. Those guys don't make enough money for all the work they put in. Um, I have Josh Jones, MFJJ. He has taught me from... 2001 till present, everything he knows and then some about archery. I have him as a coach, a mentor, and just a few years ago, I was like, dude, I got to learn how to do this, some of this stuff myself, bought a press, 
and started tinkering, started setting up my own bows. And he helped me learn how to do all that stuff. And uh, I feel like it's something I wish I would have learned from the get-go. So if you're new to archery, do a couple things. Don't just rely on archery shops to do all the work on your bows. See if you can pay them to show you how to tie in a D-loop and tie in a peep and change out strings and tie in serving. Uh, how to adjust a rest or uh, maybe not cam orientation. That's tricky, but maybe. Um, and before you do all that, hire an archery coach. Learn how to shoot a bow proper before you teach yourself some bad habits. Really stoked for you that you got to, to do all that stuff and, and bolster your confidence on working on your own equipment. And I'm glad that you said you didn't squander a second in September and you have no regrets. Like, that is my love language. I know that you gave it everything you got. That's all that you could ever ask. And uh, I tip my hat to you. Send me your address. Dan, my name is Ross Gregory. I live in Mary Valley in Australia. There are some gold filled of nuggets. Your podcast and YouTube channel has changed my life. I am 29 with two beautiful kids and a wife. I work 70 hours a week as a real estate agent and have had a back injury that has stopped me from doing the things I love and suffered in depression and anxiety since. I found your YouTube channel by accident four months ago. I seen you take down an elk with a bow and I thought, wow, that's amazing. Two weeks later, I bought a secondhand bow and started shooting. I hurt my shoulder due to horrible form. So in the weeks, so in two weeks of resting, I found your fitness stuff on YouTube as well. So I spent two weeks watching and soaking up as much technique and fitness as I could. And I started working out. I haven't done that for over five years. And I quickly found out that my bow was horribly wrong for me, but shot it every day for the last three months because I was hungry to get good at it. I just ordered a Matthews V3, not because you have one, but, but I shot a lot of stuff at the shop. And honestly, I love how it feels. I now shoot weekly club nights and I absolutely love it. Also, the podcast. I've listened to all 202 episodes. Long story short, I started working out, spending more time focusing on God and my wife, and we just started a business. All in all, thank you for being you. You have made a huge impact in my life, and you live on the other side of the globe. My goal is to be archery strong and fit so that I'm next for the next fall rut. I'll be ready to go. Thanks again and keep up the great content. I really hope that you get to read this even just to know that you've been a blessing and a huge inspiration. Thank you for all the sacrifices you have made to make the content that has got me in great headspace and back on track. God bless you and your family. Ross Gregory. Ross, I don't care if you're in Australia. Send me your address. That makes me so proud of you that you took control of your life, man. You could have blamed your injury. You could have sat in depression and anxiety, which are real things that most people struggle with and don't talk about. Depression is something that we all will face some at a clinical level where like you absolutely need drugs to take care of it. Um, anxiety is a real thing and it can be crippling and hope is just lost. And if I can be a light in this dark world, then I consider myself a blessed man because, man, I didn't know these things. And it's just I, I'm getting fired up from your guys' stuff because it makes me know that, okay, this isn't going in vain. There's people listening out there. There are people that are getting inspired. There's people eliminating excuses and taking control. If it's meant to be, it's up to me and that you can take the ball and run with it. Uh, I'm so proud of your effort. I'm glad you found archery. It's the world's greatest discipline and uh, pumped for your new Matthews and that you're in a club and that you're going to come elk hunting. Man, I love it. Uh, thank you so much for the message.
All right, guys. Now, I know I'm not going to be able to read all of them, but I got a few more, 14 to be exact. I'm going to get through them because podcasts don't have to be a certain length, and if this is a longer one, then so be it. So, Chris Walters. I was at the Nashville Elk Shape Camp last year. It showed me just how much work is needed to be more successful than 10%. I was unable to make my way out west this year with my wife going back to school but did just book a September 22 hunt in Colorado that I'm pumped for. And I hope I get to use what I learned and see what I need to work on. As far as success, your podcast, Instagram, YouTube have made me strive to be better, better at designating time for my faith, being more active with my kids and just trying to be an overall better human. Thank you for being a part of my inspiration and someone to look up to. If you're looking for video ideas in the future, besides the gear reviews and setups and hunts, which I tune into every one, I did like the day in the lifestyle videos that you did with Aaron Snyder and Evan Hafer. Love the content. Keep it up. Chris, thank you so much. You know, um, thanks for coming to camp. I'm glad that you have something to look forward to. That is truly delayed gratification. And it is so motivating to have, like, on the calendar, you're going Colorado 22 Every day you need to do something in the name of better elk hunting. There's your why. Now leverage that stuff in all aspects. And it's just it's going to be a waterfall of successful things to come your way. Appreciate you being on the YouTube. Um, the behind the scenes stuff is awesome, like with Aaron Snyder. But the, it is really uh, – it's tricky, like lining up our schedules. Tim and I both had to fly to Colorado. Um we followed Aaron around. It was really special. And then the Evan Hafer one on YouTube, I think we took it off YouTube. Um, and just it's that videos are just on my IGTV. There was just a bunch of shitty comments about Black Rifle. People were under the impression that they're not 2A. They're not conservative. They're not like, dude, the Black Rifle makes great coffee and they support veterans. And so it's just an opportunity for me to say I stand behind Black Rifle. But thank you so much, Chris. And keep that fire stoked, bro. 2022 is just around the corner. Hey, Dan, my name's Tyler. I just recently got into archery here in the last year and a half. I've always have had a passion for the outdoors. I've never elk hunted, but this next year, I'm going over the counter, Colorado. I want to say I love the podcast. I soak up all the info you guys have on here from you and your guests. I can't wait to start the Elk Collective course here after whitetail season and learn even more from all that. I eventually plan on coming to an elk shape camp too and learn the knowledge in person and see what delayed gratification means when it relates to elk preparation. At the end of the day, I could write you pages about how much your YouTube channel podcast means to me and how much I relate to the work ethic and everything you have. But really, I just want to say thanks and let you know I've always appreciate elk shape and never forget ABT. Thanks, Tyler. Send me your address. Appreciate you. Dan, my name is Ed Rosenfield. I'm 61. I have two knee replacements. Last August, my son went to Utah on his first elk hunt, invited me to go. So I agreed, but I was overweight and I could not pull a bow back. I really wanted to go, so I started searching YouTube for a solution. Then I watched a couple of your videos, started your workouts. Lo and behold, I started getting into shape. I lost 25 pounds and I was able to pull a bow back. This September, I went on my first elk hunt. It was the greatest experience I've ever had. I would like to thank you because I feel your videos and podcasts gave me the support I needed. Thank you, Ed Rosenfield. Well, Ed, you and your two knee replacements, send me your address. That's a badass email. That inspires me. Way to make it happen for yourself. Dan, I want to send you an email for all the work you guys put in and the content you produce. I've picked up quite a bit on archery equipment setup and the different options available. I especially like the videos with MFJJ and yourself, which gives reasons behind why you do or do not use a specific piece of equipment or technique. 
as someone with a similar jaw length, I look for advice on setup from what you are doing as a reasonable starting point to base my decisions from. I'm currently using an old mission bow I received as a gift in high school. While there are many things that aren't perfect with the setup, I focused on being the best I could be with with it and working on shot execution and not being a trigger puncher from the info I gathered on your videos. With that, I was able to take my first archery bear this September. He was 450 pounds, and the game and fish biologist estimated he was 15 plus years old. Based on other bears in the area, he should measure out to around 21 inches plus. That's the skull, the, the mean average of the width and the length. I look forward to continue to push my bow hunting pursuit and in planning a full year of practice and tinkering. I plan to upgrade my bow early next year as funds allow. I'm keen on seeing what the new Matthews ends up being. I would like to attend your Utah Oak Shape Camp next year, but will be having my third knee surgery for a PCL around that time, maybe 2023. Lastly, I'd like to thank you for the motivation on being the best version of yourself possible. As someone who has struggled with motivation and deciding the path I want to be on, I draw inspiration from your content for fitness, hunting, lifestyle, and financial fitness. Thanks. You know what? That's there you go. Guy kills a 450-pound bear, something I've never done, with a mission bow. Look that up. Uh, makes the best of it. It's not the bow. It's the shooter. And I love that he invested more time on his shot process. I love that he mentions financial stuff too because I am not a financial advisor. Uh, finance is something that's on everyone's radar, whether you're checking your bank account on the daily, uh, or trying to make ends meet, trying to save, trying to retire, trying to whatever. Like money is just a thing, man. Money comes and goes. Money's a tool, and I like talking about it. I've done some great things. I've done some dumb things um, like build a shop. Uh, I can't wait to do more on this garage gym build and I hope that I can find, I guess is my segue to talk about the shop a little bit. So this shop is a pole building, man. It should have cost 20, 30 grand. We hired it out. COVID prices quoted 55 grand. Took the guy four months to do it and it's not even finished on the inside. No insulation. Uh, it doesn't include the electrical. Uh, it doesn't have gas to it. So I got to figure out how to heat it. Um, I got to figure out how to get rubber flooring and workout equipment. And it's just, when it's all said and done, this shop's going to cost a hundred grand, man, a hundred grand. Like for me, that's a lot of money. And for you guys listening, you're like, well, why did you need a shop? Well, it's not even a shop. It's a gym. I'm building a gym and it's not even going to be a gym that people come to work out and pay me because that's not my business model. But Knowing that God's got a plan for us and talking to my wife extensively, there's going to be a, there is going to be some sort of elk shape, something happening at this shop where people are going to be able to fly in and do a weekend with me and MFJJ and do more private elk shape camp stuff like smaller group. That is a vision. One other vision is to have people in the area be able to come out and work out with, with me once or twice a week leading up to elk season and to do a Bible study after the workout and just and have some fellowship and be real and some accountability and to just make this world better. So I know it's uh, finances is, is something I don't talk about enough on here, but it's something that I, I'm anti-debt. We could have paid our house off, but instead we, we decided to build the shop. Um, so we were... Well, we were just, I think, $81,000 away from paying off a house, and uh, we've already paid off our other house, which is in Idaho. It's a cabin, but it's a house, 
it's it's awesome and um no we just bought a, our third vehicle which is a commuter car i am a proud owner of a toyota camry hybrid and uh, we just paid cash for it and so like um paying cash for everything and not having any balances on credit cards no school loans like i paid cash for college the whole way through there's never been a day in my life where I haven't worked full time or more since age 18, like earning everything. Um, I don't care about money. I don't chase money. I care about just time. I want people listening to be time chasers. I want people listening if they desire to be self-employed to go be self-employed or to go work for themselves or to go start that side hustle. So this podcast has got to be more than just elk hunting, man. It's got to be about life. It's got to be about making life the way you want. So Sorry for the rant, Kyle, but I really liked what you had to say, and congrats on the bear. Hey, Dan, to answer your question from the podcast on what piece of information has helped me be more successful, I could say many things. First off, I'm getting married this year, so your advice about winning an Academy Award for being interested in her things has been very useful in helping me tip the scales for me. Amen to that. I also get a lot of motivation from your platforms to hammer out a workout or shoot my bow. Just be the best me I can be. Looking forward to crushing this year in preparation for an elk hunt next fall. Thanks for doing what you're doing and keep killing it. See you at the Wisconsin Elk Shape Camp. Ben, a.k.a. the tall guy from Big Sky Tack. Ben, thank you for the message. Congrats on obviously like getting married is a big deal, man. So it's her day. It's not your day. Make it the best day. Uh, your wife will look the most beautiful you've ever seen on that day. Uh, it's a special day. It's not about the guests. Uh, it's not about, it's about you guys. And uh, I'm excited for you. Uh, and if you're not even married yet and you're already winning Academy Awards for acting interested and showing interest in her stuff to tip those scales, you're, dude, you're on the right path. Thank you, Ben. Since I've heard and been listening to your show lots of time behind to behind the hood welding all day lots of helpful tips and tricks and nuggets but more importantly how you've made it clear to be the family man we all need to be saw you get your kids a bow and went straight out and got one for mine you're a true inspiration elk family and fitness thanks lenny that's lenny merritt send me your address all you guys send me your addresses getting the kids a bow was something I wanted to do and been waiting patiently for them just to be big enough. And I hope they take to it. And as a parent, I just want to be able to provide opportunities for them uh, to at least be exposed to archery. I know that it's changed my life. It sounds like it's changed your guys' life. That's cool, man. And your blue-collar welder, mad respect. And uh, I appreciate your support. Dan, I listened to your latest podcast towards the end. You said to email you. Uh, man, you've inspired me more than you could ever know. My name is Derek Tengowski. I'm a firefighter paramedic from northern Kentucky. I've always wanted to go elk hunting. Last November, I started looking at different videos on YouTube. I found your channel and didn't take me long to decide that I was going elk hunting in 21. I've always been pretty active and played baseball in college, but I kind of let myself go when I was the heaviest I've ever been at 215. It was your channel that motivated me to get off my ass, get in gear, and set a goal of elk hunting in Colorado this September. Over the course of 10 months or so, I've lost 40 pounds. I was studying and absorbing all the elk hunting knowledge I could find. I'm a part of the elk collective, and I've made it through most of the videos on the platform. I also believe I've seen every YouTube video and listened to every podcast you've ever put out. My trip to Colorado was two weeks ago. I planned an eight- or nine-day hunt. I picked a great unit and was in elk the very first day of hunting. That's awesome. I also, luck would have it 
though my hunting partner developed elevation sickness so bad that I had to get him off the mountain and ended up taking back to Denver to fly home. This caused me to lose two and a half days of hunting. When I, run to, when I returned to camp solo, I just wasn't able to find the elk again. It's okay, though. It was still a great trip, and I definitely learned a lot. I'm already planning next year's trip. So with all that said, man, I really just want to thank you for everything you do and all the content you put out there. I've learned so much from you and inspired me to push myself further daily. I'm currently trying to save up so I can come to an elk-shaped camp next year. Hopefully I get the funds together before they're sold out. Thanks again, man. Keep up the good work, Derek. Dude, Derek, man, a couple things that just stand out quickly is like, yeah, like way to be a true hunting partner. Stop the hunt. Take care. Altitude sickness is no joke. A, a paramedic, he's in great hands. Thank God you are one. You could recognize the signs and symptoms and get him down and get him home. God bless you for that. And man, way to have a great attitude and not be salty about the two and a half days that were missed. Like, your buddy owes it to you, and you still, I mean, you got an elk right away. You're already excited to go back. Uh, this is just the beginning chapter of your elk hunting career. I'm so stoked for you, and I'm sorry you've watched every YouTube video because I have some terrible ones out there that I haven't taken down yet, um, and I'm sure some of my podcasts are rough, especially the early ones, but uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support, and I, I'm excited for 22. Hey, uh, Chris says, Dan, I want to thank you very very much for being inspiring with the message of focusing on faith, family, and fitness, being dedicated in the off season. So we are successful during the season. I definitely need your message as it allows me to virtually surround myself with like-minded individuals, especially needed everyone around me. This that has lost the fire and verbally holds me down. Like you said, who you hang out with can impact, impact your success. 2021 so far, Early season Colorado archery elk called in a young six point in the first two hours of the hunt. Passed that bull as the honey hole is further up the mountain. Found two more bigger bulls in the 340 range but couldn't get shots on the bulls before I had to leave for Alaska for caribou. It may not be everyone's definition of success, but in my book, part of the hunt is the experience we have. Enjoy the adventure. Amen to that. So, yes, I limited myself, challenged myself for a bigger bull elk, and limited my elk hunt time due to the trip to Alaska um, above the Arctic Circle. Hopefully, I still have respect. Here are some pictures I hope you enjoy from my Alaska trip. Looks like he shot a hammering, awesome, giant north of the Arctic caribou. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, man, you have my respect. And I've done that DIY caribou hunt uh, in the Arctic Circle. And it is – everyone should do it, man. And, you know, I'll never judge anyone who passes on anything – knowing that you've already decided what uh, you've already defined your expectations of your hunt and what success looks like for you. Hey, Dan, I've been listening to your podcast for a better part of a year or two now and love your stuff. I figured I'd show you a little success I've had with my partner this past year. First off, this was my third season elk hunting this year and my first year with a good buddy I work with. The second year, we both had different tags and went with other guys and it was a bust for both of us. My buddy and I are iron workers and I do concrete work on the side. We live in Minnesota have families, and our time money is limited like most people. We both rock Kafaru packs, 44 mags, and Krispies. Our first year out was basically a bust. We ran out of areas in Colorado and found nothing. Um, we lacked experience in scouting, and honestly, I had no idea what I was doing or what was going on or what we were getting into. After listening to countless hours of podcasts and videos over the last two years, we were able to put a bowl on the ground. This year, we were into elk daily, both still 
hunting and calling, grinding, never giving up. We knew it would happen soon, just didn't know if it'd be this year or next. Or who knew? We had six bulls in range and just outside of bow range. We had Montana General Tags. My buddy got his bull at or around 20 yards after calling it in. We were so ecstatic. I hope to one day get into elk, camp, elk shape camp or to meet you at some point. I appreciate and respect your attitude to not only elk hunting, but work, ethic, family, values, and everything. Everything you talk about is how I run my life and how I try to elk hunt. Thanks for your help. And some awesome teamwork pictures with the bull down in Montana. Looks like there's snow on the ground. Jake Anderson, thank you. Send me your address. A couple more, guys. Hey, Dan, just listened to the latest 21 podcast update. Um, thought I'd drop an email and a few words. Just want to say thanks for everything you're putting out, all the info, the how-tos. You guys have been doing hugely beneficial to my journey. Little background, COVID was hitting and I am in a healthcare admin. So a little stressful last year, just got into archery in June of 2020. My little brother was just getting into it and let me try his bow a few times. More than anything, it was just so relaxing to me. I started ch I started chasing, bought a secondhand bow, got it set up and have been tinkering ever since. Punch holes almost every day, just trying to improve. Working on little tips and tricks to improve shots Input from guys like you and on the other interwebs have been a huge help in finding my own style. Anyway, to shorten this story, Archie quickly rolled into archery hunting, and the info you guys have been dishing out on YouTube has been awesome. It's been helping me with my tactics and techniques. This season, I got my first big game tag ever. It was an over-the-counter, and a lot of help from family. Went out and hunted hard every free day I had. One, my fitness has been slack, but didn't realize just how slack it really was, but I persevered and was able to punch my tag with my very first elk ever. So thank you. This 37-year-old is grateful to you and the efforts to, that you and all those that are helping people new get experience, get started, and improve. Keep up the good work. Next year, I'm trying for multiple tags and hunts, all bow because one just wasn't enough. Hoping to do a backpack hunt. We'll see how far the rabbit hole we go. Again, much gratitude to the work you're putting in, Jonathan. And Jonathan got himself a raghorn bull. And he's got a really big grin on his face. And that feeling is awesome, isn't it, man? Appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out. Send me your address. Eli, really enjoyed your first recap podcast. I normally hate sending messages or emails to dudes of your caliber due to how busy you are. But I wanted to share the success this season thus far as I still have Nebraska Archery Mule Deer and a Colorado third season Mule Deer tag. My season started off here in the home state of Colorado for Antelope August 15th. I did a boatload of research over the summer, took trips out east in search of the goats, with minimal findings, I talked my wife into baking some special landowner apple pies. My next trip out, I secured a piece of private with multiple water holes and some nice bucks on it. The landowner certainly enjoyed my wife's pies. I set up the ground blind on the most likely water hole. Season opener, I was fortunate to have the first six days off as I worked for the fire department. I missed a shot on day one, and the goats didn't come back. Thanks to you, help me understand that hard work and persistence uh, is what it takes to be an archery hunter. I shot my first archery animal ever. Well, my first animal of any form that I have ever taken. I spent many days waiting for the opportunity for the buck I was after to come to water in front of my blind. I took him quartering two at 45 yards. What a rush. I'll include a pick. My elk season in Colorado started September 2nd. I took the full month off work to chase elk. Thank you for preaching, taking the time to pursue and invest in my family before, before and after the elk season because ultimately my wife let me be away the entire month to chase my dreams. She's even on board with elk shape and loved the video of your wife's new Prima setup. 
Needless to say, I called in multiple bulls to under 30 yards throughout the season along with cows. Due to my rookie mistakes, I just didn't get a shot off. I had such a fun experience calling in elk thanks to Elk Collective and following Joel Turner's techniques. Funny side note, I was a volunteer firefighter in Yelm and ran calls with him, never knowing he was a world champ elk caller or own shot IQ. That is awesome. Never killed an elk this September, but I had a blast. Know that you've helped my learning curve by at least 10 years or more. Thank you for all you do, Eli. All right, Eli, give me your address, man. Congrats on the speed goat. And way to get into the elk. Next year, they don't have a chance. Jake Sanborn, keep doing what you're doing. Just had to reach out let you know your content has helped me to tag out several years in a row on Archery Elk and in Utah, of all places. A few years ago, I found your podcast uh, when you were a guest on Ryan Lampers' podcast. And I've been a regular listener ever since. Your podcast is the most relatable. Out of all the podcasts, I've learned the most from yours as far as hunting. The way you articulate elk hunting and the mindset you need help me know what to do to prepare for find consistent success. Like I was saying, you've been able to help me harvest several Utah general archery bulls and an awesome 350 bull this year. I drew with three points in the Manti unit. And before this success, in the last four years, I've only killed one rifle elk before that. Your podcast has been a huge help and a part of my journey here as a bow hunter and in my life in general. I've been able to get into the industry as an archery pro shop manager and now enjoy sharing the things I've learned and your podcast with all sorts of bow hunters. Thanks, Dan the Man. Jake, let me send you something. Give me your address. That is a beautiful Manti bull. That is, uh, oh man, that's a taxidermy bill. Congrats, you earned it. I think that's awesome that you are a pro shop manager. I wish you nothing but continued success, and thank you so much for your for like for your unwavering support. Two more. I've been listening to your podcast for a couple years now. I've always dreamed of elk hunting, but didn't know when I would ever be able to do it. In September of 2020, I was starting to enter a phase of my life and a career to where elk hunt was becoming more of a possibility, financially and from a time off perspective. I could make it happen. The problem was. I had let myself balloon up to 263 pounds. I set a goal to go on a hunt September of 2022. That gave me two years to get my act together. Thanks in part to your inspiration, I am down 40 pounds so far, and I've added a bunch of muscle. I have more work to do, but you've helped me get on the right track. I look forward to your podcast each and every week. Keep it coming, September 2020 now, and then me deadlifting 500 pounds in March. Holy crap. This guy looks amazing. P.S. I just used your discount code at Black Ovis to buy $1,500 worth of whitetail gear. I sure hope you get a cut of that. That's real savings for us average Joes out there. Dude, you look amazing and you know that you're just getting warmed up. 2022. Way to leverage that. Get it on the calendar. I've said it before. Man, you guys... um, my day is being made. I need to do this. We need to do these more often. It's so fun to hear from you guys. Last one, Shane Bennett. Well, the bummer is I haven't been able to stick a bowl with a, with a stick and string, yet I have learned a lot from your podcast on locating elk during archery season. I picked up a bow about five years ago and figured I would give it a try, hunting in the rut with a lot more of a challenge versus rifle. I have been 20 yards on bulls, but you know how some of the Idaho country is super thick, and every time I do get a close encounter, I'm left with no clear shot. It's a matter of time and sooner, hopefully than later, I get the chance to put one in the sweet spot. 
Mainly the help on topography mapping has helped me the most, finding the best spots to go into and resources to really pay attention to. I do listen and will continue to listen to you and your guests and all the great information. Thanks for reading, Shane. All you guys, thank you so much. Almost two hours of just awesome elk nuggets. That That's better than I thought it would be. Uh, I, my voice is going to be ruined because I've already done another podcast today. But I just wanted to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Sincerely, you guys inspire me. Now, it's October. Literally reset your elk hunting ways. It is time to identify the things that which you did not excel at in 2021. What were your weaknesses? Was it your archery game? Was it your shot selection? Was it your equipment? Was it your lack of knowledge? Was it your understanding of elk biology behavior, map reading, e-scouting, understanding topography and, and what how elk make a living? Was it being overcommitted to one area? Was it not enough backup plans? Were you mobile enough? Were you physically able to hunt your best? How was your mental game? Whatever it is, sit down, reflect, take the month, identify your areas of greatest opportunity, your weaknesses, create a blueprint and get after it. Maybe I'll see you guys at Elk Shape Camp. Maybe I'll catch you here on a podcast. Maybe I'll catch you on YouTube or social media. Either way, God bless you all. Thanks for your support. Separation is in the preparation.